America's original and oldest heritage pack company, Duluth Pack, hosts a podcast led by CEO Tom Sega. Real stories with real people who we admire, plus outdoor industry conversations, business discussions, entrepreneurial advice, and more. Now enjoy this week's episode of Leader of the Pack. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Duluth Candy Company. Welcome to the Duluth Candy Company, the sweetest spot on Superior Street, specializing in gourmet popcorn and exquisite handmade chocolates. Duluth Candy creates the most delicious handmade chocolates, like the Lake Walk Cookie, Sea Turtle, the Castle Danger Cream Ale Truffle, and many more specialty chocolates. Duluth Candy has the treats you need for your weekend getaway or special event. Come down to the sweetest spot on Superior Street or visit the online store at DuluthCandyCo.com, D-U-L-U-T-H-C-A-N-D-Y-C-O.com to see all our gift-packed options. This episode of Leader of the Pack is brought to you by our friends at Lake House Candle Company. We have partnered with this company for some time now in our Duluth Pack store as well as online a locally owned company that specializes in hand-poured 100% soy wax, crackling wood wick, 12-ounce candles. Lake House Candle Company's main collection honors some of the most popular lakes in Minnesota, from the Boundary Waters to Lake Minnetonka and everything in between. They also offer seasonal-based candles as well as a customized label option so you can create a label for any lake of your choosing. Making Lake House Candles a great addition to your own home or a thoughtful gift for your loved ones. For 15% off your first order, use code DuluthPack15 at checkout on their website. TheLakeHouseCandleCo.com Again, thelakehousecandleco.com. Hey, everybody, this is Tom Sega from Duluth Pack, and this is the Duluth Pack podcast, Leader of the Pack. And I'll tell you what, you want to talk about a leader, wait till some of these people who've been to the Minnesota State Fair find out who our special guest is today. You want to talk about special. Folks, it is Martha Rossini, better known as Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar. Martha, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. Oh, my goodness. This is, I have goosebumps right now. I have eaten so many of your <laughs> cookies at the Minnesota State Fair. I can't even stand myself. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. <laughs> so let's let's go way, way back before you became so famous. And, and tell us all about your, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like and where did you go to school and all that good stuff? Okay. I actually grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, on North Dale was sort of the neighborhood that um, I was closest to, which happens to be very close to the Minnesota State Fair. So it was truly part of my growing up that we would attend the fair as young as we could go. And usually I was bringing along, um, you know, four or five of my younger siblings. And so we always went to the fair. And, you know, at that time, you know, who would not have wanted to have a booth at the Minnesota State Fair? We saw what happened in those 12 days and just went, boy, this would be something really fun, if ever. I mean, that was just a pipe dream. Had no idea what direction I was going to ever go, but just totally loved the Minnesota State Fair. And so growing up, did you have a family that was entrepreneurs? I mean, you know, you became this, this entrepreneur, but was that like in the family genes? Well, to some extent, my grandfather, who was an immigrant from Italy, um, had his own uh, grocery store right down by the uh, um, the cathedral downtown St. Paul. And uh, we were always, I guess, even growing up doing little um, uh, carnivals in the backyard and um, having lots of fun making up businesses that way. 
which I've never really thought about until you you brought that up. It uh, always was something that, you know, was fun doing. So um, it was really part of our childhood. So I know that you got into the business and there was a couple of partners that you had, but sure. it didn't it didn't start out all about cookies. This was well, let's even go back because you weren't even in the entrepreneur business. You were a school teacher. That's exactly right. I went to uh, St. Teresa's in Winona, Minnesota, and I got my degree in elementary education and art. And so when I graduated, I uh, first started teaching um, art out in the Burnsville School District for about uh, 10 years. And then I continued my teaching um, at Highland Catholic School in St. Paul when my children were old enough to go to school. I took a little break and had these two wonderful kids. And when they went to Highland Catholic, then I happened to volunteer and there I was then became the art teacher at Highland Catholic School which is in St. Paul also and how did the how did this yogurt shop come about well my husband at Gary and I at the time were meeting with people had friends that were down in Chicago and there was like a frozen yogurt shop and this is like in about 19 Oh, 78. And in Chicago, they were having this frozen yogurt shops. So uh, we went around and, and actually went to Madison, um, Wisconsin, and there was a yogurt shop there. We went to Chicago, saw the yogurt shop there because there were friends of ours that were down there. And so we thought, you know, that would be a great idea to start a frozen yogurt shop down in um, Minneapolis, we, we chose a, a place on 7th and Haddenpen, and um, because that had a huge walk-by of traffic back in those days, still does, I think. And um, so we opened up a shop there, and then we, were, we started in 78 with the frozen yogurt, and then along the way, one of Gary's very good friends uh, from his high school was Neil O'Leary. And so he was actually working down the block on Hennepin Avenue. And um, so he ended up joining us as um, selling hot dogs in our frozen yogurt shop. So Neil has been with us from pretty much the very beginning. And then um, what happened was, is he ended up meeting his wife, um, Brenda, uh, from Champaign, Illinois. And then, of course, when they got married, I finally had another soul sister, Brenda. You know, so it was Gary and I and Brenda and Neil. And uh, so, right, we were right down there on 7th and Hennepin with our frozen yogurt. Then you ask, well, how did you get into cookies from frozen yogurt? Yeah. Well, along the way, we realized how much people enjoyed on top of their frozen, uh, um, their frozen yogurt, they liked having um, cookie crumbs. So at this time was just the time that uh, Famous Amos chocolate chip cookies came out. And we had tried those. I had tried those in, in Chicago. And of course, I love chocolate chip cookies. And I love the idea of sprinkling those on top of the frozen yogurt. So we ended up getting those uh, um, cookie crumbs from uh, Nutley, New Jersey, and from Famous mm -hmm. Amos. So we started that on the frozen yogurt. And so sure enough, then our customers down at the yogurt shop are like, well, why don't you sell the cookies? And I said, well, I don't know if, you know, people would want to buy the cookies too. And then I uh, went, well, what the heck? We'll order in a case of cookies and see how that goes. Sure enough, people love buying the cookies. So that sort of was, well, hmm, they sure like these cookies. So, and it was sort of one of the first more gourmet chocolate chip cookies um, that you could get unless you went to maybe a bakery and bought cookies. 
And the one thing about them too, are they were those small cookies. They weren't really big cookies that you used to purchase in a bakery. So um, we had also heard about a place down in, I think it was uh, San Diego um, or San Francisco, where it was like pure 29 or something down by the water. And they were selling cookies there in uh, cones. And we also had one of our workers um, from uh, Minneapolis work for us. He was a, a dancer and he went out to New York City and there he saw cookies being sold in a cone also. And I went, oh my goodness, that's such a great vehicle for selling cookies because they can't just take their cookies and then put them in a pack and put them in their purse you'd have this whole marketing thing going because they'd have to hold that cone and be eating them. And it was perfect advertising when they're walking around the fair. So that's how we came up with the uh, cone of cookies. So, um, yeah. So, but this is before. So then the other piece is because we had a place of business, we were applying at the fair because we went, Again, we're already sold at the fair. I mean, we were already sold on the concept of the fair because of our childhood. Neil, all of us lived in St. Paul and we love that fair. So little did we know when we applied uh, to have our cookies. Well, it wasn't necessarily cookies. At first, we were applying with our frozen yogurt. Um, the fair, actually, people from the fair, unbeknownst to us, came out and checked out our shop. So that was sort of key in them evaluating the way we were doing business if they would actually want us to be at the Minnesota State Fair. So, and again, we didn't even know that we were being looked at. So um, turns out uh, about three weeks before the fair, um, that was in like 79, they had someone that canceled at the last moment. So they called and they said, well, um, would you like to come to the fair? And I'm thinking, I know, you know, frozen yogurt, like the back of my hand. And I'm like, oh, because we had applied for that. And uh, but we also just threw in an application for cookies, thinking about how great Famous Amos is doing. So they said, uh, I said, oh, and um, so you're, you're thinking about the frozen yogurt. And they said, oh, no, we want you to bring your cookies. I'm like, okay, sure. We're going to, we're, we're doing the cookies. Yes. Yes. We're doing the cookies. And you're like, oh, goodness. How are we going to do this? <laughs> yes. In like three weeks, seriously, or maybe it was a month. It was like crazy. But, you know, if the fair beckons, you don't say no, you know. So needless to say, we were definitely scrambling, 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 putting everything together. The guys got a bunch of wood and we're putting together, they called it a stick, stick shop. You know, it's just they built it out of wood. So, um, so they were building this booth in the backyard. And then, um, meanwhile, I was like, uh, get, I got the recipes from all the mothers that were Gary's mom and Neil's mom, and, you know, my mom, and we're like putting this all together. And uh, I was looking at the recipes. I went to my dad. He had uh, connections in um, the public schools. He was a principal in public schools in St. Paul. So he got me in with, uh, at the time, now it's called St. Paul College, was the Votech and who was the chef there. So he had me go meet with uh, that person because you really can't multiply a recipe by a thousand without taking into account, you know, the molecular structure and friction and all those kind of things that we need a food scientist to really do. Okay, so luckily my dad steered me there and they were able to help me uh, multiply the recipe to bigger numbers. So, um, Martha, can I ask you a question yes. here? Yes. At that time, were you still teaching as well? Oh, yeah. But see, it worked out great because, you know, I, you teach during the school year and you have the summers off. So, 
you know, and, and as we sort of went along, uh, my principals became very nice and kind and would allow me to maybe have off a day or two. When I first started with the fair, after um, Labor Day, you know, I had to teach the next day. Well, I had to tell you, when I was in the art room, I'd say, okay, guys, I've been at the fair for like 10 days, so let's really keep the level of talking because they were working on art and I let them talk and all that. But I said, let's just keep it down a little bit more for me uh, at the day after the fair. But then as we went on, uh, some of my principals, you know, they allowed me to take a few more days off instead of going directly into teaching. So, yeah. And I taught until like, uh, oh, I think it was about 2008, 2010, uh, I continued teaching all the way through. I love teaching. I love teaching art and I love teaching those little kids. I love it. It's just so much fun, you know. But Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar became this whole beast onto itself. That's right. But the idea of working with kids just made everything just it was my teaching that really helped me work and um, get all these kids to come and work for us. You know, so it it was really teaching really was a good uh, precursor to uh, working at the fair. So you get into the fair 1979, correct? That's right. That's your first year. Right. How many cookies did you make or sell, better better yet, sell in 1979? Because as we get forward here, for the people who haven't been to the Minnesota State Fair, that they need to come, first of all, 100,000 <laughs> people a day. I believe it's <laughs> the second largest state fair in the United States of America. It is 12 days of super fun chaos, if you will. That's I mean, it's, right. It's, it's awesome. Um, how many cookies did you sell in year one? Well, I had, I do have a hard time telling you that because I really don't quite know. I guess I, I could figure that out. I do know, though, that when we first started, we were in that little stick stand from 78 to 1982, where we built a trailer that was sitting right outside the food building. So we operated out of that until 1992 when we got our first booth and we could have those rack ovens in there. And it was actually a permanent stand. It was so nice to have a roof over your head that was permanent. And we didn't have to move all the stuff around every time we wanted to do something. So it was really nice. And in that, um, in that booth, we were able to get more rack ovens. And then the grandstand booth was uh, put up in probably, it was like 2000, um, uh, 2003 for our uh, grandstand booth. And then just recently, we our last booth that we uh, built was the uh, one up on Machinery Hill. I still call it Machinery Hill, up on the hill. And that was about, oh, six years ago. Um, so then we now have these three stands with all these rack ovens. So starting with those 200 cookies in 12 minutes, now when you see those weekends, we've got all those lines, we can make about 44,000 cookies in 12 minutes. So it's really, you know, blossomed and the, uh, we just had to keep up with the big appetite of those Minnesota State Fair goers that like cookies. So we just kept putting in and buying more ovens. And, and that's we sort of for years would take the money we received for the for that year and just put it right back into buying more equipment because some of those ovens and think are, you know, they're more expensive, you know, than just, you know, my little easy bait oven I had when I was little. So, folks, if you heard what Martha just said there, and, and our very special guest today is Martha Rossini from Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar at the Minnesota State Fair, and it's blossomed beyond that. We'll get to that in a while. But I don't know if you heard what she just said. They make 
44,000 cookies every 12 minutes. Wait, and that's crazy what the busy. <laughs> the demand is like at the Minnesota State Fair. That's right. And the lines, you just move these lines through of people getting the cones and the buckets. Now you can get a bucket of yes. cookies, which, come on, don't we all just buy a bucket? Who wants a cone? Well, we can go to right to a bucket, Martha. And also, folks, if you want to learn the story and you want to see all about Martha and how this started and the whole story, everything, you can go to sweetmarthas.com and you can read all about this on your own prior to going to the 2023 Minnesota State Fair, where you can actually go and taste and buy and eat some of these cookies, which everybody leaves with them. Martha, when you started, how many employees did you have? Fast forward to 2022, <laughs> how many employees did you have? When we started, there were the three of us, Gary, Neil, and myself. He wasn't married yet. Neil wasn't. And then we hired uh, like three friends. And that's what we did for those first years. Then now, um, our last fair, we, we always aim for about 850 employees. And of course, we're there all the time too. So, but it's really... We are, you know, starting our scheduling in February, you know, and start working on getting our um, uh, people to come and work for us. So Katie is our right-hand person, and she grew up right across the alley from my home. And so I've known her since she was 12, and she actually babysat my kids. But she is just unbelievable at getting this group together and we just seem to be starting early and earlier every year to make sure that we have enough people to help us so making chocolate chip cookies in a 12-day period you went from three employees and folks did you hear that 850 <laughs> employees you know the logistics and i do want to jump into that a little bit martha on logis logistics how many semi-loads of chocolate chips do you have to buy? How many? <laughs> I mean, uh, how about, how about, let's talk about eggs. Yes, yes. We can talk about these things because I actually have some answers for you there. So I've got my cheat sheets. Right here are my cheat sheets. So um, like, for instance, the eggs, um, because I asked my suppliers exactly how much, you know, we um, have Gregory's Foods that supplies us with all our ingredients. And they're delivered every night about two in the morning because it's so crazy busy to come early in the morning, even there. It's better to come in the middle of the night when everyone's gone and they can just pull up. And they usually uh, drop off for each stand about, um, oh, nine pallets of ingredients. So uh, the other thing is, is you brought up about the eggs and uh, you need approximately, well, 58,000 hens to lay enough eggs to keep up with your daily production. Or like if you want to hear it another way, there's about 3,500 medium shell eggs daily. So that's how much we go through approximately per day. The other thing we uh, people always want to know about the chocolate chips, you know, and of course that's my favorite ingredient myself. So um, we go through per fare about 58 tons of chocolate chips. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we go through. That's why we need we need such support from everyone to make this happen, and it's just amazing how everyone works together and gets this done. The other thing that I hadn't been asked before, but you wanted to know about how many gallons of milk we go through a fair. So I go through all my invoices and I didn't really had never done this before, but I found out that we go through about 6,000 gallons of milk during the fair. So, and we love those cows then, you know, we see them down at the barns and we just really appreciate having those cows around to product, you know, to help us with this production. But yes, yeah, so about 6,000 gallons of milk for the 12 days at the fair. 
That is incredible. In fact, that question came from one of our employees here oh. when I was, I was so excited today. I'm running around the company telling everybody who I'm <laughs> interviewing today on the podcast. And they said, well, yeah, but it's more than just the cookies. You you turn the corner and you got to buy the milk too. That's and right. They said, how much milk does Martha go through? So that was one of our employees being very excited. Martha, let's talk about some of the business end of what you have to accomplish here. So the cookies, I mean, come on, it's iconic. I mean, millions of people know about sweet Martha's cookie jar and your cookies, the buckets of cookies and the cones of cookies. But let's talk about a little bit of the legalities that goes into putting together a business and a food business like yours. What kind of hoops do you have to jump through legally to sell food at a fair? Well, there is, of course, the health license that you need to purchase. And by doing that, then the health department will come down. And actually, because we are a bakery, we don't use the regular health department. We actually use the Department of Agriculture. And they pro provide the, their own people to come down and make sure that we're doing everything according to code. And they visit us almost daily. And we get, um, you know, feedback from them on whatever we're doing. So, and luckily the last year, it was like one of the first years, I think we scored like 99% on, um, I know, I, I was just astounded. Every single booth uh, got such a great score, but that again is a tribute to all these great people that are working for us and, keeping everything besides running, everything as clean and neat as you possibly can. Martha, when, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the vision for your company because it has absolutely exploded over the years and, and has become so iconic, you know, beyond the state of Minnesota. But before we get into the, the the vision of that, one of the things you said was our customers mention this and our customers mention that. And it's just interesting you say that because I know we talk about that a lot, that, the, that we always say the smartest people we know are our customers, right? They'll let you know what's on their mind. And you had, yes. you had mentioned that about, you know, what about cookies at your, your yogurt, frozen yogurt stand and then and some other things there. From those types of ideas, and where were your visions early on in the business? We'll get to where they are now and where you want to go with it in the future. But early on, how did you put together your vision for the company? And did it exceed your vision that you originally had? I would say we were very fortunate because we were operating at the Minnesota State Fair that we could have the time, the downtime in between this event, this huge event, uh, and really could plan everything out and how we wanted to go forward. And so what we, of course, talked among ourselves and could see many of our needs. But then again, we listened to our employees and our customers and like, for instance, the one thing, a couple of things came from our customers and that was uh, the, the pail. They said, well, we want more cookies than just a cone. I think I heard someone else say that just recently, but um, so therefore we came up with the uh, take home pail of cookies. And the other thing people had said to us, customers were saying, well, we want to eat your cookies year round. So that's what really started us thinking about that frozen dough that we have in the grocery stores. And so we wanted to make a cookie that would mimic as best we could the way the cookies are served at the fair, which is fresh out of the oven. So we ended up making the uh, cookies in the grocery stores just like that. You can put as many as you want in the oven to bake. And so then they come hot out of the oven, just the way we serve them at the uh, fair. And my mom did call, this is years ago, and confessed that Martha, she was eating the cookies right out of the bag before they got into the stove. 
So, I, and that's okay. Everything's pasteurized. Back in the old days, you know, we would say, oh, we can't eat the raw dough, but it's changed. So I said, mom, don't worry about a thing. You can eat the dough. So folks, if you buy Sweet Martha's frozen dough for your cookies, first of all, before I finish that question, Martha, where can they buy it? What kind of grocery stores is the dough in? Oh, many, many in the local grocery stores, Byerly's, Lund's, um, Festivals, um, Kowalski's, um, Target, All Day, many, oh, uh, Cobb. Most, a lot of people carry our cookies in their, their free, frozen, frozen food department, yes. And you can eat the dough before you cook it, which is music to my personal ears, <laughs> I'll tell you. Martha said we can eat the cookies before they go in the oven. Yeah. Save a few to put in the oven as well. Yes. So, so we talk about, how about the, the legalities of forming a business that's only for, you know, I know you work it more, but but 12 days out of the year when you're talking about the state fair. Is there anything that you have to do or had to do from a legal entity, from a branding entity to make sure you could pull all of that off, Martha? Well, fortunately, um, I had two brothers that were lawyers. So they were in it, luckily, from the very beginning. So they got us incorporated. And um, then the other piece, and it's so very important to hire professional people to do these things for you, because they have a lot of good ideas to make sure that you're being protected on whatever need be. And the other thing is, is we have some wonderful accountants that always help us get together with the numbers and, um, you know, just actually can cross every T and dot every I. So I think it's very important. And I had heard that when I was first starting a business, that it is very smart to go with professional people to help you do those things to set things up. Martha, on average, today, per day at the State Fair, how many cookies do you sell per day? Well, on those weekends, we sell, it seems to be around 3 million a day, you know, and that's with all three stands. But yeah, it, on those weekends, it gets to be really high numbers. And that's why we need so many people to help us with that. I mean, each stand is you know, maybe 150 people working, you know, sometimes because you have to need give people breaks and so on and so forth. So you need to rotate people through and it's, yeah, you need, we need all this help and we really appreciate all the great help we have. We actually have people that, you know, started working for us um, when they were very young and still continue to take off from their regular jobs to come back and work the fair. So, and we so appreciate all those managers and people that come back because of course they're in the know and anyone else that has worked for us, when they come back, they're in the know. So we all can help work with these people to help all the new people that come in. So Martha, I'm pretty good at math. You just said that you do three on the weekends, on those good weekends, you do 3 million cookies a day. And they always state that there's about 100,000 people a day at the state fair. That means every person eats 30 cookies oh. on that day. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're good at math. That's a big well. It's, I can move the decimal points a yeah. little bit. Thirty cookies per person per day, and I'll tell you, folks, if you haven't been there, you need to go to the Minnesota State Fair just to go oh. get Sweet Martha's cookies. Wow. It's it is you know what it should be on everybody's bucket list to get a bucket of your cookies. <laughs> I know I sound like a salesperson for you. I'm going to have to take days off and come and work I for you. I would love it. Holy you can cow. come work for us anytime. <laughs> Okay, well, you may be your phone may be ringing. <laughs> so let's let's talk about something that affected all of us a couple the last few years here, and I know it affected you in a huge way. Let's talk about 
the pandemic. Right, which right. I hate to do it. I'm getting mm-hmm. sick of talking about it, but affected us and a business like yours. Tell us, A to Z, how did it affect you and your business? Well, of course, when the pandemic hit, we didn't really know how to handle this. So the fair was canceled. And um, then they came up with some ideas that would work uh, the next year where we had the drive-through. So we were able to uh, bake our cookies and then they had people in that stay in their cars and we had people lined up that they would take the orders about a block away and then they'd send that down to the, the booth that was, we did this up on Machinery Hill because there was plenty of room to spread these people out. So the order was brought, uh, you know, um, uh, communicated to the main booth, uh, the one up on Machinery Hill, and the driver would drive up and we'd have numbers and people would run out to the car with their order and off they went. So it was uh, unusual, like we, I go, how are we going to do this? You know, how is this going to happen? And then then I just went, well, it's sort of like parcel pickup. You know, you just uh, get your number and then uh, have that in your car. And then we could just give them their their uh, order and away they went. So we were able to satif- satisfy some of those cookie lovers during that time at the, the fair. So that was really a lot of fun, you know. How much, how much was business down that year? And you were able to still do some business. How much oh, was it down? You know, I can't tell you exactly. You're much better at math than I am. But it was, you know, not anything even close to what we were doing at the fair, you know. So, but, you know, we just had to uh, go with it. And just had to ride this thing out. And, you know, something you just never would have imagined you know, how everything had to be shut down. So, you know, we weathered through it. And now we're uh, really, I mean, we're thinking even this year is going to be better than last year. You know, I'm going to keep building on what we've got going again, which is so wonderful. It's just so wonderful to be back. Did you see a, a pretty good comeback for the year of 2022? Yes, yes, definitely. Oh. A, a lot of people coming and yeah, it was really a good year. Folks, our special guest today is Martha, Martha Rossini of Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar, the Minnesota State Fair, and now into grocery stores. And now please tell me a little bit about the challenges and the opportunities of Sweet Martha's uh, Cookie Jar moving forward. Well, what we're doing moving forward is continuing to do what we've already done and getting our children, uh, which they have been totally involved for many years, but handing over the reins. You know, uh, we're the hours like we work um, is. Uh, Pretty much Brenda and I work during the day, you know, from like uh, 6.37 to 7, if not later. And then the guys come in at night. They usually come in like at 4 o'clock and then work till midnight and do the close down. So, um, but uh, my children are a little older than uh, Neil and Brenda's, Charlie, so he's a little bit younger, but my my children have been working there since they were like eight and eleven, and uh, they're still you know taking over the reins. They're running the the booths, some of the booths, and you know it's it's just been wonderful to be able to pass this down. And they're more than anxious to help. They all are. So it's really been great. So for 43 state years, you've been doing this. You you grind it out at the state fair every year. Sure. It's fun. You know, the state fair is great. <laughs> it is, but you're on the other side. Yeah. All the people are there to have nothing but fun. But but your energy and, and, and what you bring to it just makes it fun for everyone. You've become so iconic. 
are are there times at the fair that people just want to sit and talk with you or get autographs or <laughs> have you speak somewhere because you have become absolutely iconic? Well, Cal, <laughs> Tom, I don't know about that, but thank you. It's It's just been a lot of fun. It really has. And I do, when I'm walking to the fair too, I do hear some people go, oh, I think that's sweet Martha right there, you know, so sort of cute so but you know everyone's uh everyone's pretty busy at the fair you know they're going from one stand over to the animals and uh up to the food building and you know so uh everyone's pretty much on their own route when they're going to the uh, minnesota state fair so oh i think you're being very very humble with that i think we come to the fair to come and see you oh. is what we do martha <laughs> well, what you. can we see for the future you know the next generation you talk about yes. that they're really starting to take over a lot of this what what can we see for for other opportunities for sweet martha's cookie jar moving forward are there other venues that we might be seeing you at um are there are there other things that are in the plans that you can share with us? Well, um, we used to do basically almost every event that we could locally. And uh, we found that moving around all the equipment and setting up and doing all those things to get like uh, the Taste of Minnesota set up and um, grand old days and... Um, uh, oh my gosh, we used to do the the River Fest and Uptown Art Fair and all those things, but we realized that basically we're pretty satisfied with uh, the Minnesota State Fair. There's like no place like home. And again, that's back to having a roof over your head. And so, and it's almost impossible to move all these large ovens. And, you know, we've We've thought about uh, going to other fairs and we've actually checked out at other fairs, but we found that um, a lot of the fairs aren't really as great as the great get together. And that's because they might not necessarily be food fairs. Our fair, our number one sellers at our Minnesota State Fair is food. Not, you know, other fairs, there might be more, their biggest sellers are like, the beer gardens and things like that. But so we feel very fortunate and um, pretty much being satisfied with what we're doing now. And we are just thrilled to keep those um, numbers of our frozen dough are, is doing quite well now too. And that is one thing I had to say about the pandemic is that's where our um, cookie dough sales just shot rate up because every you know it was the silver lining of that pandemic because everyone wanted to be baking at home and this was a way to get that homemade uh taste you know without having to go through much work you know so that really was a bonus for us with the pandemic martha what is the secret sauce that makes your cookies <laughs> so good well, we do have a secret recipe, which I will not share with you, but our our biggest- It, it wouldn't be a secret then. <laughs> that's right. But our biggest uh, thing we try to use is spend all, you know, get the best ingredients possible. And we've always maintained that. We try and buy the best quality of every single ingredient. And I think that's the way we were all brought up. And when you're making something, you should try and use your best ingredients, especially baking. And so we we follow that that rule, you know, and I think that's what really makes a difference. We have good quality ingredients and then great people that are mixing up that batter, knowing exactly how the texture and everything else is done so that, you know, again, we're we're fortunate with all of our workers helping us do that. Martha, how many people do you have on staff off-season? Obviously, you ramp up going into the fair, but let's say today. We're, we're actually taping this today in, in March. And how many do you have on staff at this time? Well, at this time, we have Katie and then uh, Neil and Brenda and Gary and I. 
And so okay. we basically are a skeleton crew. And of course, then Dave, who's in town, you know, he's helping us out a lot with helping us move things or doing things, anything for the fair. Um, but basically during the off season, like now, that's what's going on. Though we're constantly having meetings and we're constantly figuring out uh, what we're doing next. So, so then as uh, the, the um, if we ever thaw from all the snow that we happen to have, <laughs> we will get out the minute we can get in those booths and start cleaning. That's what basically we start doing right away is uh, cleaning out all those stands, getting away. It's like opening up a cabin. I always think people can relate to some of the Minnesotans, but just getting out all the cobwebs and cleaning up the place and getting it all ready for uh, some events that we have in May with the uh, state fair. So that's then we have these crews that will be cleaning and then going into like there's a kickoff to the fair um, the weekend of Memorial Day. So that's when we first have that. And then we also do the um, back to the 50s with the MSRA. And so that what's wonderful about these smaller events, it, it tunes us up. We see, oh, because things sit and that's not necessarily a good thing. So then we can really see what we need to do more and what ovens and equipment is not working exactly the way we want it. And so it really gets us uh, going to do all those things for the summer. Just always keeping in mind we're going for that goal, you know, the 12 days in August, September. So, Martha, question for you. It just popped in my head. It wasn't on our list or anything, but you know, at the Minnesota State Fair, I've been there and it's been 55 degrees. <laughs> and I've been there and it's been 100 degrees. Yes. What challenges do you have when you're at when you hit those extremes from a food being a food vendor and a massive food vendor at the show? Right. And that is, you know, we get little tricks of the trade. Uh, we have to deal with those different uh, humidity counts and all this uh, because we are directly outside. So, you know, we learn things. We put like our depositor which is um, the double roller thing where we put the dough in the top and then it rolls down and we have this wire cut the die, which deposits the cookies onto the trays. Well, something like that, we'll take those rollers and put it in like a cooler and get that nice and cool so that we don't have everything melting in the depositor. So it's like the heat is the hardest to control, you know, because again, you know, once it's, if it's cooler out, it's just perfect. But the, once there is, you know, really hot, it's harder to control that. So we do our best and make sure that our chips, we always have those in the cooler, you know, so any way we can keep our ingredients more in the seventies rather than, you know, in the nineties, <laughs> Um, that's what we work for. Did you know that America's original manufacturer of canoe and kayak stabilizers was recently featured on Fox and Friends? Spring Creek Manufacturing was recognized on Fox News for being a leader in the made in the USA industry for their top quality truck racks, the world's best camp saw, and their assortment of water sports equipment, including stabilizers for canoes, kayaks, and stand-up paddle boards, as well as their canoe seats and motor mounts. Enjoy an exclusive 15% off, yes, 15% off your next online order at springcreek.com with the code LEADER15, that is L-E-A-D-E-R-1-5. Exclusions apply now back to the podcast. I, I want to run through some of these numbers you gave us again for our listeners, Martha. This is Martha Rossini from Sweet Martha's Cookies. We all know it from the iconic Minnesota great get together, the state fair. Right now they can make 44,000 cookies every 12 minutes. They have 850 employees during the 12 days of the Minnesota state fair. 
At two in the morning, the semis roll in and they bring an average of nine pallets of supplies a day to make the cookies that we all like. There's 58,000 hens laying eggs just for the eggs to make the cookies. <laughs> 58 tons of chocolate chips and 6,000 gallons of nice cold milk. And now you can also buy it at your grocery store. Oh my goodness. Martha, can you all, so it's sweetmarthas.com, the website, but do you have social handles? Um, we have, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So we are on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, besides our website. So folks, you can find Sweet Martha in all of those places. Martha, we're going to pivot just now, and we're going to go into this final segment of the podcast, which we call the Packed Questions segment. What is your favorite hobby outside of making chocolate chip cookies? You know what I love to do? Two things, gardening, if ever the snow goes, and reading books. I love to read. Is there a certain type of book that you like, or you just try all that types of things? My sister's an English teacher, and so she always just feeds me the books that she says are really good. So, yeah, one after the other, whenever I have time. <laughs> Where is the favorite place that you have ever traveled? <gasps> Italy. I have, uh, we had relatives in Italy and most of them have now passed, but that's where my dad's uh, parents, you know, my grandpa and grandma came from Italy. So we're in Italy. Uh, we're in uh, right outside of um, Luca was Buomo, which was a small village and that's in more Tuscany. So uh, that's where our roots are. And Martha, what is the greatest piece of life advice you have ever received? I would again say this is from my dad. And he would give this saying um, many a times. It was sort of grilled into us. And that is um, sort of three points. If uh, money is lost, nothing is lost. If your health is lost, something is lost. If your character is lost, all is lost. So that is the one thing that our family and so many of our workers have lived by. Is that easy saying? Well, I think it has served you extremely well in your life, Martha. And to build this company that is so iconic you are so iconic i've had goosebumps this whole interview and i can't tell you i i that doesn't happen to me very often but that uh, you're like such a celebrity and i got to meet you folks our very special guest today is martha rossini the owner the famous sweet martha's cookie jar Martha, I cannot thank you enough for being here today. Tom, it has been indeed my pleasure. I so enjoyed talking to you. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. And folks, first of all, go look at Martha's website, get to the Minnesota State Fair and go have some of Martha's, sweet Martha's cookies. And until next time, unplug from the indoors and recharge in the outdoors. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leader of the Pack. Don't forget to rate this podcast, and we would certainly be grateful if you'd give us five stars. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow Duluth Pack on social media at Duluth Pack. And shop online at DuluthPack.com don't forget to support American jobs and buy American made.